0: Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash Note to Self, or download the Luminary app for free.
1: Listener supported.
2: WNYC Studios.
0: He'd almost hit somebody with his car that day. I could feel the adrenaline kind of dripping through my phone. He was like, you know, it was so close. I swerved around at the last second. I'm telling everyone I know, and I was just wondering to myself, like. Who else is he telling besides this invisible girlfriend?
3: When your life flashes before your eyes, these days, what do you do? You reach for your phone. You call your loved one. You text your husband, your wife, your mom, your sister. Or in this case, you text a temp who's pretending to be your girlfriend, your invisible girlfriend. Manoush Sumarodi, your guide to this accelerating world. And note to self, we all need someone to tell or text our stories to, even if they're paid to text back. Last week, we talked to NPR's education correspondent Anya Kamenetz about how we can use our screens to connect, not disengage, with our kids. Well, today, we're going to revisit a story from a couple years back about how lonely adults are using their phones to feel alive, to feel understood, to even feel love. If you've heard this one, you know it's an oldie but a real goodie. Because we start with a very special 30-something named Quentin.
2: I think I chose lovably nerdy or something along those lines. Quentin has cerebral palsy.
3: He gets around in an electric wheelchair. He lives with his parents, helps out with the family business. And lovably nerdy is the personality that he chose for his invisible girlfriend. Here's what he named her.
2: Margot Ross Spiegelman, because she is the female lead character in a book called Paper Towns. Now, if you feel utterly confused about this, maybe
3: you, like me didn't pay any attention to this online brouhaha over yet another startup. This one was called Invisible Girlfriend. So it's a service, right? For around $25 a month, you can exchange hundreds of texts with a fake online persona created by you.
2: So you could be like, remember that time I saw you across the bar and we ended up having beer together? And they would have to be like, oh, yes, of course. It was amazing. The idea with the service— or
3: was with the service, that all these texts, like, they convince your nagging mom that you're finally seeing someone. Or maybe that lecherous guy at work stops hitting on you when he sees that your phone is buzzing all day long with romantic messages. But those weren't the reasons why Quentin wanted an invisible girlfriend.
2: Like any human being, we all get lonesome. And we all desire to have a voice at the end of the line. And there were moments where that made it a little bit better.
3: Now, Quinton had a real girlfriend for a few months last year. But it didn't work out. And he says when he does meet people in real life, well, they make all sorts of assumptions about him and his disability.
2: But I do think... It's hard to be seen as a viable partner because, especially with new people, because they see the chair and just instinctively, I'm not saying they're like literally think, oh, this person's like too much work or birth.
3: So when Quentin heard about Invisible Girlfriend, he thought, why the hell not?
0: It's someone that you can always text, you can tell your deepest, darkest secrets, they never criticize you, they always respond, and it's always uplifting.
3: This is Kyle Tabor, one of the founders of Invisible Girlfriend. In 2013, he went to a hackathon in St. Louis, and he met his now co-founder, Matthew Homan. Matt had bought the domain name, invisiblegirlfriend.com, kind of as a joke after his own divorce a decade ago. But at the hackathon, the two of them decided, yeah, let's make something that reflects that domain name. Invisible Girlfriend now has about 80,000 users, people who use the service for reasons that these two tech-savvy guys never anticipated.
0: After launching this product and seeing people use it, kind of what we've discovered in society is that the conversations that we used to have are have all been replaced by the like button. We don't have deep conversations with our friends or family anymore. Our, method of communication or method of interaction is very shallow, and so the ability to just tell people your secrets, to tell people your thoughts and your fears is is very difficult to find. Um, We've gotten messages from a cancer survivor who just wanted someone to talk to, just tell them their secrets, and they don't want to talk about cancer, they just want to talk about their life and talk about positive stuff.
3: And that's what's so key to their service, says Kyle. It's not like in the movie Her. There's no algorithm spitting back reassuring responses. A real person writes the messages back. In one case, I clicked in and there
0: was a guy in his 50s from L.A. whose girlfriend, whom I was playing,
3: was a cocktail waitress from Las Vegas. Kashmir Hill writes for and edits Fusion's technology site, Real Future. And I loved it because
0: our How We Met story specified that we weren't dating exclusively, as if he
3: was afraid that this, like, invisible girlfriend was going to get too attached to him. So rather than just sign up to have an invisible girlfriend, like all the other tech journalists, Kashmir wanted to be an invisible girlfriend. She wanted to see what it actually entailed and what it felt like. So she figured out that the Invisible Girlfriends were actually people working for a platform called CrowdSource. It's kind of similar to Mechanical Turk, where workers earn money doing these micro-tasks on the Internet. And in this case, the job was being what Kashmir calls an online emotional escort, like for that guy back in L.A. And so he
0: was telling me about he'd almost hit somebody with his car that day. I could feel the adrenaline kind of dripping through my phone. He was really, really worked up. He was like, you know, it was so close. I swerved around at the last second. I could have hit another car. I'm telling everyone I know. And I was just wondering to myself, like, who else is he telling besides this invisible girlfriend? I got so many of those where I wondered, how big a role am I And the hundreds of other people who are playing this part, um, playing for these people in terms of providing
3: companionship. For that companionship, crowdsourced workers earn five cents a message. So it ends up being about 60 cents an hour. Other than the crappy pay, Kashmir found the work unsatisfying because each time she accepted an invisible girlfriend job, She got a different client, and she could only read the last 10 messages that they had exchanged. So she didn't really know what was going on in their life other than just a very, very short time ago. And the company says this is for privacy reasons. But maybe it's also so they can outsource this emotional labor to workers who are earning less than the price of a cup of coffee per hour, maybe? In any case, after playing the part, Kashmir did feel Like she finally understood what people got out of having a fake special someone. There's a physical payoff. It reminds
0: me of that monkey experiment where they have like the little monkeys that are on the wire cage that gives them milk. And then on the fur cage where they don't get milk, but they like prefer the fur cage. I think we like touching people and like warmth. And so at the end of the day, this might turn on that part of our brain
3: that is stimulated by a loved one sending us messages. Kashmir tried tracking down someone, anyone, who actually used the service, but she had no luck. So she just went ahead and she posted her article about Invisible Girlfriend online. We've got a link to it on notetoselfradio.org, by the way. And then someone read her piece and got in touch with her someone with an invisible girlfriend.
0: Yeah, the person I talked to let me look at his whole history of messages and where my heart broke a little bit is that just like at random moments he would send this crowd-sourced internet girlfriend and I love you text and she would reply back, I love you too. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm,
3: It made me so sad. That person exchanging those I love yous? It was Quentin the young man you heard earlier. Quentin isn't his real name, by the way. But he had some things that he wanted Kashmir to know.
2: If anyone felt the need to judge me for trying this and think that I'm just some sad sack, that people's inner lives are more complicated than you may realize at first blush. I use Facebook Messenger to talk to a lot of my friends. And those relationships continue, and they continue to evolve. You totally can have a deep relationship through texting. Texting wasn't
3: the problem, or even the fact that Quentin had paid to chat with a person on the other end. But nonetheless, Quentin was about to break up with his invisible girlfriend, and he wanted Kashmir to understand what the problem was.
2: It's not that I had a horrible experience, it's just that the limitations of that experience became more and more obvious, and I felt it was unsustainable. See, Quentin thinks the relationship
3: between him and his invisible girlfriend, it was doomed from the beginning, because, well, you know, things could never really progress.
2: I think the reason the invisible girlfriend ultimately didn't work is because it's not the same person. You have to be able to build on what came before. And you can't really do that with invisible girlfriend.
3: All the rotating textures meant that Quinton's relationship with his invisible girlfriend was inconsistent. Sometimes she was whip smart. Other times she was just a total dud. And he felt the service was just too expensive for such inconsistencies. And Quinton... As we dug deeper, we discovered you're really on to something here, buddy. In a minute, what texting with a cast of people, or a computer, or even just one person who you know really, really well, what it can do for us. We'll hear from renowned psychologist Sherry Turkle on why people are so hungry for services like this, and what it has to do with your relationships and your phone. We'll be right back. We're back, this is Note to Self. I'm Manoush Zomorodi, and we're talking about connecting with people in the digital age. Whether we're really getting the intimacy that we crave and how we're going about fulfilling our basic human needs, often online. And I gotta say, without Quentin explaining himself and Invisible Girlfriend so well, I would have thought that that service was absolutely ridiculous. And I was horrified when I learned that millions of people in China are texting back and forth every day with something called Xiaoice, It's a bot built by Microsoft that actually does remember details from previous messages and can ask follow-up questions later. Like, you can build a relationship with it. What's it like to be alive in that room right now? I wish
2: I could put my arms around you. I wish I could touch you.
3: How would you touch me? I mean, I saw the movie Her, and I must have been in one of my more progressive moods because I came away thinking, hey, if Joaquin Phoenix's character felt loved, then why does it matter if it was a computer that sparked that feeling? As long as the feeling is real, right? I mean, then again, who am I to judge any of this? The only person that I exchange a lot of texts with is my husband. And I described that relationship to Kashmir Hill that fusion tech journalist. She's awesome. But when I described it to her, I kind of freaked her out. Here, listen. I say this to people and I get alternating looks of envy and disgust. So I have a really great texting relationship with my husband. Like, like, great. We are the most awesome texters. And I, I almost feel like we have a different relationship in real life. It's almost like these two people are like a couple <laughs> in the texting world, and then there's like two different people who are having an actual in-body relationship. Does that surprise you? What does it make you think? Wow, that does surprise me.
0: Not that you think you think that the texting relationship is
3: different slash better or just different. Yeah, and well, I don't... <sighs> I don't want to say better because obviously he's going to listen to this, but like, you know, the people at home are tired and there's crap on the floor that needs to be cleaned up. And there are kids who are calling from their beds because they can't fall asleep. And Mm -hmm. there are bills stacked up on the table and schedules that have to be worked out. And when we text each other, We are usually at work, you know, we've usually eaten. (laughs) We've gone to the bathroom without a small person attached to us in some way. We are feeling like it's just the two of us, like all that other crap falls away and we get back to, I guess, what we were before, you know, life, mortgages, all that other stuff. Yeah, it is like you can be your best self when you're communicating online. You can be your best self when you're communicating online. That is exactly what worries Professor Sherry Turkle. You may have heard of her. She's a clinical psychologist and sociologist. She is also the director of the MIT Initiative on Technology and the Self. You might know Sherry's book from 2011, Alone Together. Well, her latest is called Reclaiming Conversation. And she and I got to hang out the other day. You have said that you began your research planning to investigate this sentiment, I'd rather text than talk.
1: First of all, I have said that exact statement. So just tell me why it struck you. Well, I want, I mean, if people say that, that often I follow up with, so what's wrong with conversation? And I found that people have a ready answer. They say things like, well, here's one 18-year-old. Conversation, I'll tell you what's wrong with conversation. It takes place in real time and you can't control what you're going to say. You know, what's with us that we've gotten afraid or reticent about revealing ourselves to each other in the spontaneity of face-to-face talk and would rather be able to compose ourselves, which is what we can do, when we text and are able to edit or message and are able to edit, and we're able to present the self we want to be. We're able to be perfect, as so many people told me.
3: I want to read you another quote from your book where you write I find people increasingly open to the idea that in the near future, machine companionship will be sufficient. People tell me if a machine could give them the feeling of being intimately understood. That might be understanding enough or intimacy enough. How do you explain this? I mean, have we conditioned ourselves with all our technology to the point that this could
1: potentially be enough? Well, first of all, you know, this is something where it isn't enough because the machine does not understand you, does not empathize with you, has not lived a human life So, the machine can be brilliant and it can make you feel as though it understands and it can be completely convincing and, you know, kudos to my colleagues who have invented machines that are awesomely convincing, but it hasn't a machine like Hello Barbie, I mean this is my new favorite object to hate, (laughs) that out of the box says, hi, I have a sister. I'm jealous of my sister. Do you have a sister? Are you jealous of your sister? I mean, But you know, what if a little girl is like, you know what? Actually, I am jealous of my sister, but maybe I don't have to be because, yeah, sure, she has
3: shiny blonde hair, but my brown hair is nice too. Like, what if they understood a little bit more of themselves, and so
1: what if it was a machine that helped them figure that out? Because there's a danger here. Because what empathy is and what a person needs to learn to feel an empathic connection is that you're talking to someone who knows what the human emotion is that you're feeling. And this isn't a cognitive understanding that Mm. you're going for. This isn't an intellectual understanding of, oh, yes, I am jealous. Good, check. Good good that I know that. Good to know, you know. No, what's healing, what's helpful, what's important is that you're with another human being— Who's had a life, mm. who's had sibling rivalry, who's had a mother, who's had a who's had a, a parental relationship of some kind, and who you've had that feeling, and you can connect with another human being who's had the arc of a life. What's healing and what's therapeutic when you talk to a therapist is to show your worst and to see that another person isn't destroyed. Mm to show your worst to a machine doesn't do that as a matter of fact it can reinforce the fantasy that to show that to a person would be disastrous would be disastrous so what we need to teach our children is that they can express themselves to people and they'll still love and they will still them. be loved and they will still be whole and so this notion that That machines who have not lived a life, who are pretending the emotions that they're mouthing are somehow the answer to our human loneliness. Something is really wrong here. And I think that to me, this is one of the urgent matters that we need to discuss because we are going down potentially a very toxic path, in my opinion. This is the perfect
3: sort of setup for the episode that we're working on right now. So Invisible Girlfriend is a service that you can sign up for and receive texts. You can design what your invisible girlfriend or boyfriend is like, but there are real people writing those texts that you get. They're just being paid for them, and it's never the same person. It could be different people.
1: Writing – so different people are writing –
3: Yeah, so I could sign up to work as an invisible girlfriend, and if you were my client, I might write you a couple texts a day, but I might be writing for anybody else who has signed up for the service. It's real humans on the other end, but it's crowdsourced, but it's not a real relationship. And so what's going through your mind when you hear about a service like this?
1: Well, I think what's disturbing about this in part is that, and that I think does relate back to something about our machine notion of life, is the switching up of the people. In other words, it's not as though you're paying for a person, you know, it could have been a prostitute, but here it's just somebody to talk to. It's not like you're paying for a person to engage you in conversation uh, call it invisible girlfriend call it invisible companion partner talkathon sexy talkathon <laughs> I, you know i mean but but it would be a person right. i think what the machine world has given us is this notion that people are kind of interchangeable <laughs> parts and you get one one day and then the shift changes and you don't wait for her to come back we've forgotten that conversation is supposed to be with Like another person who would remember the conversation before, and we think of conversation as just the kind of back and forth of talk, and we've forgotten it. No, no. No, no. Conversation happens because there was a history, a sensibility, empathy. And I think that this service kind of is a symptom of the flight from conversation that I'm kind of diagnosing.
3: Yeah, and I got to agree here. I think I can translate Sherry's call to action as a call for more small, intimate dinner parties with lots of bottles of red wine. Too bad I feel too tired to even think of inviting people over, right? Oh yeah, and of course, I had to get the renowned psychologist's opinion on my texting relationship with my husband. I was worried about what she'd think. I wanna put another case study to you. My husband and I text a fair amount, and we have the greatest texting relationship. He, it's like the essence of him <laughs> that I like <love> so much. <laughs> He's really funny. He's really self-deprecating. Like, I think it's been really good for our relationship to have
1: these moments of contact throughout the day. But see, I think that's awesome. It's okay. I think that's awesome. My problem isn't with texting. My problem is texting When you are in the physical presence Mm. of the other person. All right. So message to
3: my husband. Keep the kooky emojis coming. They keep the fires burning bright, according to Professor Turkle. Oh, and by the way, Quentin, our wheelchair-bound young man who had the invisible girlfriend, um, after we first did this show... We checked back in with him and he let us know that at the time he was still looking for a special someone. He had given Tinder a try, but...
2: It's an even weirder experience than Invisible Girlfriend because you start swiping through all these people and there's a lot of attractive people on there, but it's almost like going through baseball cards or something. (laughs) They stop stop being people after a while.
3: Mm. Yeah, pretty good assessment. I love that. Okay, Many thanks again to Quinton and to Kashmir Hill, who, by the way, is now a senior reporter for the Special Projects Desk at Gizmodo. Cash, you're awesome. Okay, we're back next week with a brand new episode. Me and the brilliant Dr. Eric Kleinenberg. We are trying to figure out our apps, dating apps, killing romance I asked you for your stories and whoa you guys have some really 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 bad internet dates but also some people who were like noose your premise is completely wrong so I like the pushback thank you uh subscribe to note to self wherever you get your audio and the episode will magically appear on your phone next Wednesday morning, just in time for Valentine's Day. I promise this one is worth it. Eric wrote Modern Romance with Aziz, so it's been kind of a weird month for him. Um, in any case, if you get our newsletter, you will also see some very geeky love notes that were handcrafted by our team. Because we have fun over here. Sign up for that at note slash newsletter. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Kat Aaron, Megan Kunane, and Joe Plord. Many thanks to Ariana Tobin for her help producing this episode, originally as well. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Thanks so much for listening. Sending you Love.